0: And everyone, Evolution.org, hardcore podcast coming your way, episode one twenty-three. Big Rami, Steve Smee here in the mobster in the house.
1: What's up, buddy? Let's let's do this. He is the man of the moment, people. We're gonna, we're gonna smash this one. We're gonna have a great one.
0: So, Big Rami, twenty twenty, Mister Olympia champion, mobster. Give us his full name.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure and I will try not to murder the last name. It's Mamdou Mohammed Hassan al-Esbayay. And I may be slightly mispronouncing his last name, but the Egyptians following us will have to forgive me. So there you go. There, there is his name. He is uh, 36 years of age, uh, born September the 16th, 1984. Do you want to tell everybody where, where he was born there, Steve? Yeah, so um, he was born in Baltim, Kafir
0: el-Sheikh, Egypt. Um, his family was into fishing. Um, he's he's um, currently living in Kuwait, married with three daughters. Um, he's, he has had a history, guys. You can check him out on his Instagram page. If you look at Big Rami uh, Instagram, um, he's been a lot of competitions, guys, over the years. He's done personal training fitness coach and he's a businessman, entrepreneur. So after his Mr. Olympia champion, we should see him definitely grow on that. So Mr. Olympia, he he walked away with a $400,000 prize and he is basically, you know, we think in the next few years he's got a shot at winning some more Mr. Olympias if he can stay healthy and he and he can um, you know, keep things going in the right direction. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into his controversies. We're going to get into his his diet, his nutrition, his training, and his steroid cycles that we speculate that he ran based on some, you know, inside information uh, sent to the show. So it's going to be a really, really fun show, guys. So, you know, um, like Mobster said, he was born in uh, 84. Modest. It seems like he had a modest lifestyle uh, growing up. He moved to Kuwait. Um, after he completed his education, he wanted to get more into the fitness world. He took a really big liking to fitness at a young age. Um, he attended a gym called Oxygen Gym. And, you know, now he kind of piggybacked that. He got, he got the, the, some competitions he did extremely well on. He won his pro card. And then from there, you know, he, he ended up, you know, doing, I can go through and, and list you guys. Uh, the big one, the, the Kuwait Golden Cup, that was in 2012, the Amateur Olympia in 2012, the New York Pro in 2013, the Mr. Olympia in 2013, eighth place, the New York Pro Championship in 2013, he won that first place. Then the next year, Mr. Olympia, he was seventh place, that was 2014, then fifth in 2015 at Mr. Olympia, uh, fourth in 2016 at Mr. Olympia. He won the Kuwait IFBB Pro in 2016. He got second at the Mr. Olympia in 2017. He got sixth, Mr. Olympia in 2018. Then 2019, which we're going to talk about his controversies in, um, um, now, that was one of his controversies in 2019. He was unable to um, compete in that due to an injury. And, and so, he, so he kind of fell off um, on that. And then in 2020, he had to get some some he had to get some points to be able to get into the 2020 Mr. Olympia. You can't just sign up for Mr. Olympia and be like, hey, I wanna, it's kind of like the master's golf tournament. You've got to qualify. And he wasn't able to qualify. So Monster's gonna get into that controversy. Imagine had he not qualified for the 2020 Mr. Olympia, where would what would have happened? Um, we would have had a completely different winner. So it completely changed the trajectory of the Mr. Olympia. So I'm going to bring in Momster. Tell us about the 2020 Big Ramy controversies.
1: So, Steve says quite correctly there, there's a point system that has been put in place for the last couple of years. Uh, you either won big competitions and that automatically qualified you, or what's happened more recently, as I say, the last couple of years is you've had a point system. So say you've won the Arnold or you previously won the Olympia. In fact, previously winning the Olympia, you were guaranteed a spot. So you've got Phil Heath, for example, returning this year gets the walk-in. He doesn't need to qualify at all. He's a previous winner. There is, it's a done and dusted deal. But what about the rest of the pack? Well, pretty much the first I think, four or five places, the first four or five seats were filled. Steve, but then we get into the point system, and unfortunately, COVID-19 has thrown a spanner in the works for just about everybody. Competitions were being cancelled. Left, right, centre, people couldn't fly, and this is what happened to Big rammy he had a couple of competitions earlier this year that he could have qualified for, but as Steve says he's come off the back of that shoulder injury. So the first competition, it was, it was getting to be one of the last competitions of the season before everything went uh, uh, pear shaped. And it was meant to go to Australia, uh, Tony Doherty's competition, come over, compete in Australia, just get the three points, six points, whatever, and that's it. You can come, you can, you're going to be in the Mr. Olympia. And then he goes from Kuwait to Dubai. And Australia is closed. Dubai then gets closed. The only way he can get out of uh, Dubai is to go, I think, to another country, meets his family there. But now he's stuck there. So he's got one more competition he can do. And again, this is closed off. He can't. He can't move. He gets. He gets tested. I think literally the flight. He was meant to take the flight three days to catch that last chance to qualify. And the government uh, there, the authorities there, say we need uh, anybody that's going to fly to be COVID-19 tested, and he gets a positive test. So he can't fly, he's got no chance of qualifying whatsoever. It's, it's all gone, any chance that the early season's gone, any chance of the late season's gone. So what does he do? Well, the Olympia organizers have, for some years, had a special invite, and they consider Big Ramy as worthy of this special invitation. So now we've got the controversy. We're thinking, should Big Ramy have got the special invite. Was there someone else more worthy of the special invite? Well, of course, they. what's happened? They give him the special invite. He makes a sensible approach, which you and I have addressed in, a, in the Mystery Olympia podcast, which will be live soon, to get to America early. I believe something like 20 days before the competition, just last weekend, as we do this podcast. And he's with Dennis James. He gets there, he trains. In fact, I've just seen today a pre- uh, traveling to America photograph uh, by Chad Nichols, which showed him in great condition. It's Dennis James on point, Chad Nichols on point, and he's in the country ahead of time. And of course, the controversy works out great. The invitation works out great. Just about the best way possible, Steve, by a big Remy winning the Mr. Olympia, coming in on point. And I believe he said something uh, previously is the most popular win of any athlete, because even though we're talking about like a week human nature being what it is, there's still no doubt from any quarter, by any report, by any article, and as to whether he should have won or not. He was the best athlete on stage. All of those issues, all of the hurdles he's had to overcome, special invite just to get there, and he wins. So it's kind of, like it's almost like a story, Steve. If we were doing a documentary, it'd be one of those great, great endings and it's worked out just fine. So let's get on to the next stuff.
0: Yeah, so let's kind of get into his nutrition, guys. And then we're going to talk about his training and then what you guys are all waiting for, his steroid cycles. So um, Big Rami, we actually looked into this a little bit uh, because because of uh, Big Rami's religion, Um, being a a Muslim, he does fast during Ramadan. So I looked it up for 2020 and Ramadan in 2020 was back in May. It was from the uh, end of April to to the end of May. It's basically one straight month of fasting. You you fast from sunrise to sunset. So then I researched what hours was sunrise and what hours of sunset in Kuwait during the month of May. And it says here, 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. So he was fasting for 11 straight hours. And so, in this type of situation, the way he would he would approach his diet, and uh, Mobster pointed this out to me earlier, he was getting three meals during that. Um, he was getting it. yeah. Yeah, op- eating window. So he would either eat two meals before he'd get up early, eat two meals before sunrise, or he would eat one meal before sunrise and then two meals after sunset. So, but you were not allowed to eat or drink. While the sun was up from 5am to 6pm. So this is really interesting. And this is something um, that we're going to talk about, you know, I'm going to talk about for sure on the forums, how the Mr. Olympia champion, who was 350 pounds in the offseason, actually fasted for one month where he was not eating for 11 straight hours And then he was not eating again for eight straight hours while he was sleeping. So basically he was not eating for 19 hours out of the, out of the 24 hours and only eating for about five hours. So that, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that he didn't lose his muscle and and his muscles (laughs) pretty much didn't disappear and his size didn't disappear. Ironically, this, this probably gave him an advantage over the other competitors because he was able to actually recycle those, those cells in his body, and uh, help his gut health, and it allowed him to get stronger during this month. So we see this, uh, there's 1 billion people in the world who actually do r- practice Ramadan and they fast f- for one month. And you know, it actually is, is something really, really interesting. I wonder if other competitors will kind of follow this strategy.
1: Something else, Steve, there's that uh, Chad had this thing where he says, uh, with all of the athletes that he's put through the Mr. Olympia, and that includes the Mr. Olympia in, in the case of his wife, he likes to deplete them and take them just up down as little of carbs and see where they're going to go. as a great way of testing their response when you put nutrition back in. And as an example, in the run-up to the Mr. Olympia, uh, you had a Big Remy complaining about how depleted he was and how terrible he felt, etc., etc. And you've got Chad saying that's exactly how you're supposed to feel. Now, with the practices of fasting, it's only going to help because you're having all that time, as you said, training on next to nothing. And I believe at the one point on the run up to the Mr. Olympia, you had him bearing in mind. As Steve said 350 pounds in the off season, coming down to 310 with a 290 pound stage weight. He had him on 150 grams of carbs per day. At that size, Steve, that's just crazy. But as you say, it proves that we can survive, that we can we can succeed, and the best Mr. Well, the Mr. Olympia, the best bodybuilder on our planet, can do exactly what you've just said, 100%. So this is
0: this is an example of what he would do say you know say um, his he's not allowed to eat after 5 a.m so he'd wake up at four and mm. he'd have an hour to eat so right off the bat bunch of eggs sweet potato you could have that early get in a chicken breast early um, some rice and that's hey that's a hell of a meal right there and then after he, he could train uh, go to the gym and train you're allowed to train during during the uh, daylight hours. You're just not allowed to have sex. So he'd have to wait to have sex with his wife you know, after dinner uh, in the evening. So um, <laughs> I actually looked into this, so I confirmed this.
1: And, yeah.
0: So you can train. And there was um, another, Hakeem Olajuwon, he was an NBA, one of the best NBA centers in the world. And he actually fasted, and Ramadan was during the NBA playoffs. And he performed amazingly well. And this, that's exactly what he did. He would eat you know, before before sunrise and he eat in the evening. And it completely did not affect his uh, performance. So let me give you an example mobster of a dinner that he would eat, uh, a 10 ounce steak, a salad, some more rice. And um, that was just, it was just a co- completely cookie cutter diet. It wasn't that complicated and it worked beautifully for him during uh, Ramadan. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna say two things here. One, with both these athletes that we've mentioned, yes, some people are gonna say, yeah, but a genetics freak, Steve. They, they can do this, that, and the other. The truth of the matter is, Steve and I have talked about this before on the forums, and it's one of those things that we need to reiterate. We need to hammer this point home. The human body is incredibly adaptive. Yes, we might be talking about PEDs assisting uh, big rammy here, but the basketball player won't have been on a load of drugs. Steve, the, 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 you're gonna be, if you are physically fit, if you are physically strong, if you are a highly tuned athlete and you have the genetic advantages, and then you've got the human body's ability to adapt. It knows it's going to get nutrition. The brain's going to tell it. It's not, you know, if you are filled up with carbs at five o'clock in the morning, you're going to have some energy later on. The body will adapt. You won't starve to death. No one's having heart attacks because they've had an eight-hour fast, not unless they had pre-existing medical issues. And again, he won the Mr. Olympia in spite of all the issues, dieting, fasting, everything. So as Steve says, and again, let's do the bodybuilding food thing again, as you just said, Steve. It doesn't need to be complicated. It really doesn't. You need just to be fuel efficient when you're doing this stuff. So yeah, up at five eating, probably went back to bed for an hour or two after that. Not training at six o'clock in the morning, so you can go back and chill. Sit around the house, sipping water. Just watching early morning TV, stretching, doing whatever the hell he needs to do until it's time to go to the gym. He's got that food in. He's ready to rock and roll. And he can come back from the gym straight after chill chill out for the rest of the day relax for the rest of the day and then just look forward to those two meals in the evening if he can do it you can do it and if you can do it the whole of humanity can do it there's no excuse unless you've got a medical reason you're you're in you're in hospital or something like that this is proof that such a system works there you go Steve.
0: yeah so you know get into his uh training a little bit mobster what you would you dig up on his training
1: Right, so, I mean, this is a thing with, with this. He's had, when he was with Oxygen Gym, and he no longer is, you've you've had a, a series of videos. There's some motivational, Machiavelli motivational stuff out there. You see him training. And there's, there's, there's a f- kind of thing where you don't think he's that strong. He doesn't look that strong. Lots of volume type training, lots of machine type workouts. And then you get the odd little shot in these videos that shows you something special is going on now he's one of those guys with his legs that doesn't need to do great big leg workouts every single week i'm going to say every 10 days but then there's a video of him doing 36 20 kilogram plates that's 720 kilogram plates sorry 720 kilos on the leg press for multiple reps i believe one of the leg workouts shot around the same time they they rack the weights on and then they rack the weights off so that's a Pyramiding up and pyramiding down As one giant set Steve, I believe he worked up To something stupid like 20 plates And then they start taking the plate off each side So 20 plates, 18 plates And this is a back down set Now I don't think necessarily he needs to do That kind of stuff all the time But my god he's got some Tom platts Esque type wheels there So whatever the hell he's doing For his legs is working And another example of his strength And again just one of those not You don't see it a lot, but you can find this if you search for it, six plates of size squats. So in, if it's 45 so it's off the top of my head, that's around 580, 590. And if it's, if it's uh, 20 kilogram plates, it's only a little less. And he's repping it like it's nothing, Steve. And then finally, one other example is again of strength. And again, he's a big guy, but you don't have to be massively strong to be a guy, not with his genetics. But I'm pretty sure that the, the use on some rubber-coated dumbbells but they look like a pair of 150s. So it's one of those things where he's a big, strong guy who can demonstrate his strength, but there's quite a bit of volume in there. One of the things that was coming out of the oxygen and stuff is that with the coaches that he was working with, you've got people there setting the weights up for you, setting the machines up for you, and they're training all the angles. As part of his approach to this year's Mr. Olympia, they had him doing depleting workouts, literally to, to, to take the glycogen out pretty much every day, that is with Dennis James over in Arizona, pre the Mr. Olympia in Florida. So there's your, those those kind of things. So You've got depleting workouts, take the glycogen out, carb load him, manipulate Sierra response, and there's that stuff. And again, I believe with Dennis James, is one of those guys because of his knowledge, because of his experience, because of his specifically a mystery Olympia experience. All the guys that he's coached aren't hands on lived with him hands on in the way that this what Remy did. They listen to what Dennis has to say. And again, it's one of those guys. He, he knows what you should look like on stage. So fine-tuning. You're, you're in the last two to three weeks, Steve. You're not going to gain five pounds of muscle. You're not suddenly going to be looking crazy. whatever. But if there's a way of getting a glycogen out of the muscle, to be crude, if there's a way of fucking you up when you're in a competition prep, then Dennis knows how to do it. And he's bringing that stuff in. But there's, like I said, there's a ton of motivational videos you guys can search for. You can see some of the training out there. But here's the thing. There is never, ever going to be some sort of secret thing that he's doing that you can't do for yourself. So by all means, search for it. You'll see the stuff that I'm on about. But it's not going to be any great secret to the training. But, yes, a big, strong fella. You can find his videos. 720 kilo leg press, six plates aside side for squats, 150-pound dumbbell presses, that's in each hand. He's a big, strong guy and, 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 and looks it 100%. So
0: let's talk about his steroid cycles, guys. That's, that's really what you guys want to know. So there was a, according to this article, uh, some of the trainers at Oxygen Gym leaked the off-season cycle that took Rami from 200 pounds to 280 pounds in a single year. Now, I don't even believe this cycle. It is insane. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you what it lists here. And I find this even hard to believe, but I'm going to tell you what, what this says here. It said he took 18 IUs per day of HGH. He took five IUs of insulin before meals. That insulin HGH, you know, that's like peanut butter and jelly, okay? They kind of they kind of help each other, right? The HGH drives up your blood sugar, your insulin resistance. The insulin comes in there and it fucking, it provides that sponge effect. Then he was on testosterone and then they, Five thousand milligrams per week. Wow, that is a lot, guys. I Absolutely. I find it hard to believe he was on that much, but this that hey, that's that's what it says here. Trembolone enanthate, three thousand milligrams a week. Oh my gosh, I would die on on even five hundred milligrams a week. I can't even imagine thinking three thousand milligrams a week. <laughs> this is insane. It's Equipoise, many. hey, why not? Equipoise, three thousand milligrams a week. Decadurabolan, two thousand milligrams a week dianabol 100 milligrams a day anadrol 300 milligrams a day and on top of that he was taking some myostatin gdf-8 blocking peptides which allows him to grow 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 so gosh i mean i don't believe this cycle personally but this gives you an idea of some of the rumors going around i would say you know his cycle probably was like a fraction of that but still is a ton of freaking gear he was using what do you think, Mobster, about that? That seems insane. Well,
1: I, I, I think I heard the same rumor that everybody else did when, when this uh, this list was, of uh, pharmaceutical products was given out. And I'll tell you what I think, Steve. I think there's one of those situations in Kuwait, and this happens, it, it, it happened. Listen, if you win the lottery, guys, people are going to be jealous. So you've got this freak that's gone from 200 pounds to 300 pounds to 350 pounds recently, and he leaves oxygen gym. Now, I don't think he was leaving the Oxygen Gym around the time this cycle was leaked, but I suspect what he's done is he's switched coaches and someone somewhere has got really upset, kind of pissed off and said, you know what, I'm going to put the smack down on this guy and I'm going to say that he was doing these kind of crazy numbers. Now, I think Steve and I would agree that it's entirely possible that he was taking all these drugs, but at the amounts that are suggested, no, absolutely not. I think we have to accept, whether we like it or not, that Big Rami was a hyper respender He looked like a good, medium to high-level bodybuilder when he was 200 pounds. He had traps, he had delts. He was even the shape was there. Hairy, he still had hair on his head. He's kind of hairy body, but he looked like a muscular guy. This was a guy that was just doing PT and tidying up, putting the weights back on the racks and stuff like that. This is before Baylor took him on board, before Oxygen Gym adopted him and before the coaches started working with him. So I reckon that the guys have said "There, you know what, to use the English phrase, they've slagged him off and they have created this monstrous cycle because this is the only reason it is this big, big guy. Now, do we think he's using HDH and insulin? Yes, it's, it's something that Steve said before and I agree. Whether I need it or Steve needs it is something else. At the level that Big Ram is at, it's, it's kind of a given. You need to be doing this kind of stuff. Now, with his hyper-responder uh, physique, he's going to do really, really well. But 36 IUs a day, Steve, no. Probably upper limit, in my opinion, would be around 12. And as we know, I don't like any guys running HGH at that high of an amount, even at 12 for long periods of time. Insulin again, sure. Test propionate, 1,000 million grams a day. No, I'd cut that in half. For him, I'd cut that in half. Trend, 500 million grams a day. No, quite simply, no. Trend in the in, in his cycle, yeah. In his cycle, for the training that he was doing, the way that he looked in the off season I see one of the videos, he's stretching, he's doing a quad stretch. His legs are covered in veins. He's doing, as I've already said, the amount of weight he was on the leg press and the amount of weight he's doing on the squat. So, yeah, yeah. In, in his cycle, for sure. But 500 milligrams a day, no. I think it's just one of those kind of hateful things. Oral all out 100 milligrams a day, yes. that That's probably it's, it's, it's way more than we would normally recommend for an athlete. But, again, it's big Ramy. It's a professional bodybuilder. He's trying to become Mr. Olympia. It's high, but it's not crazy, crazy, crazy high. The wind stroll, no. I, I, again, if he is using it, and again, uh, specifically the comment that was made at the time was pre-contest, then yes, pre-contest. Uh, out, of com- out of contest, out of season, no, for nothing. Uh, the T3, probably not. Uh, I, I recall, in fact, doing the research for this podcast, you've got Chad Nichols again, talking about specifics of blood tests and uh, uh, health results for Big Ramy, and... One of the things we said actually off air, Steve, was that he at 350 pounds, he'd had a blood test result and his blood pressure was, I believe, a tiny bit above the norm. And at 350 pounds at five foot nine, you'd actually expect and something Chad specifically said was, and I'm assuming he says that in basis of the other athletes he's worked with, that high and that weight athletes tend to be having to take some sort of blood pressure medication. And indeed, we've addressed that on the forums when we talk about body weight and taking steroids on your blood pressure. So keep that in mind, people. If you get really, really big and you're training crazy and you're using high doses of PEDs, then your blood pressure tends to go higher than it should. And if you do go for a, 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 a checkup, as we would say, a medical examination and or blood test, then you're going to see some numbers creep up. So I, my thing is, I don't think that because of CT3, it's maybe, 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 Steve, pre-competition. Clean boot roll, 200 micrograms a day. No. Anybody who uses a small amount, recommended daily doses of clean boot roll, know just how awful some people feel on it. Maybe is incredibly lucky, but I doubt it. And I suspect it's one of those guys that doesn't need it. Diuretics. Do you know what, Steve? I'm going to say yes at the time that the, 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 the cycle was leaked because we saw... Times when Rami was amazing, the New York pros are a good example, and we saw times when he wasn't. So I'm going to suggest that some of the gurus that he was working with in the past, and I'm thinking Chris Asita specifically, may have played around with diuretics to try and get Rami into just the kind of condition they wanted to, but they didn't have long enough with him, they they wasn't working with him, they wasn't getting the results, They didn't. when he left to go to a new guru or a new coach, no one had him long enough to, to go through these things and saw what worked and what didn't. So, you know, I'm going to say that in the past, for sure, my gut feeling, and I'm just spin, spinning a dice here and, and, and having a guess, as I don't think he used diuretics this time around. The photographs we seen in before he arrived in America, and the photographs and the videos we seen once he did arrive in America, the condition was already there. If he was doing diuretics, it's literally two or three days before the competition, and that's it. So yeah, the numbers way 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 above we we're laughing when we were doing it when, when steve was reading out the list because we're saying yes crazy i suspect like i said some some sort of silly person that's a bit upset with Rammy has decided to, to release this not made up just exaggerated the list i can see the drugs on this list is being used but at the amounts no i mean as you said already steve and we'll talk about this now 500 milligrams of trend alone every day come on you'd be out there with a machine gun I think you've talked to tell, – tell, tell me, you've mentioned this before, but what is it – you've been on trend. I've never used trend. What would you feel like on 500 milligrams a day, Steve? I mean, it'd be like it, you feel death. I mean, it's yeah. – you you're just so miserable on it. So, so imagine yourself, carb depleted. You've got, you've got Dennis James putting you through depletion workouts, and I decide to give you some cleanse. And not only am I giving you a small amount of clean, I'm supposed to be giving you 200 micrograms a day. No. Can you imagine being on fire? Just those two drugs. Just that. Forget the rest, Steve. 500 milligrams a day of trend and 200 micrograms a day. Oh, man. You'd be going psycho. I mean, really we'd have to me serial killer. You would oh, have my. to be
0: on, like, aspirin every day. Like, I was running 50 milligrams of winstrol. And Mm -hmm. 350 milligrams of Tren a week. And I was getting headaches, migraine headaches every day just from that amount. And he's running these insane amounts. So these guys have to be – they are – it is chemical warfare out there. Warfare, yeah, no doubt at all. No doubt. But you're taking – you have to take a lot of other stuff to counteract this stuff. You've got to take a lot of aspirin. you got to take blood medication. And Mobster and I talked about it before that he may have not been on – uh, blood pressure medication. I think that you know I'm skeptical about that. I would like to see you evidence. Yeah, yeah. Because actually- there's no way at that size, your heart, your kidneys, your liver isn't under a tremendous amount of stress. So,
1: yeah. So that's something actually. When I was listening to to Chad talking about this stuff, you know, what occurred to me, Steven? and I, I, I and I it may sound unkind, guys, because I think as I say, Big Ram is an incredibly popular. A winner of this year's competition. If I was Big Ramy, and I'm sitting over in uh, Kuwait, Dubai, wherever, where I'm training at the minute, getting ready for the Mr. Olympia, talking to, 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 to Mr. Chad, as uh, Big Ramy was calling him, I would maybe have been tempted to produce a medical examination that gives exactly what Mr. Chad needs to hear, rather than a true reflection of exactly what my medical condition is because as a, as a silly little example right if we train we're breaking down muscle tissue and he's got a lot of muscle tissue to break down uh, diet is being depleted i would actually expect just on those two things alone steve to see certain markers be slightly skewed in the blood test the idea that he's so fit i mean this is the thing right training gives you a small level of fitness over the man in the street weight training, weightlifting, bodybuilding, you should be better than, than a guy your age that's never lifted the weight. But the, when you're 350 pounds, when you're moving 720 kilograms on a leg press, when you're prepping for Mr. Olympia, I would expect a few of your markers to be slightly off. Now, maybe what Chad means is they're within acceptable limits for a guy that's doing what he's doing. Maybe that's what he means. I'm, I'm being slightly jaded when I thought exactly what you just thought, is that a perfect result a perfect test blood pressure only slightly elevated my blood pressure is quite good and i'm i'm a little bit less than what he is but i think again that's just because i'm done i get out and i'm doing the walks but there was times in his prep where you weren't even allowed to walk around there, there was times during the prep where when they said they were locking down the airports they locked down the city there was times when they weren't allowed to go out to the street to go for a walk you've got guys i'm, I'm talking about british bodybuilders in this country that were 5 a.m. walks and all this kind of stuff because they didn't want to be seen travelling around. They they weren't sure what the rules are. So he, is he going to be doing fitness? Is he on the bike every day? Maybe. But I think it's incredibly unlikely that he's at £350 pounds coming back with his perfect results. It's, it's, it's really, really the, and again, maybe he's a one in a billion. Maybe he is, Steve, but it but it, it's, it's highly suspect. And even at the reduced amounts of uh, PEDs that we were talking about, I'd expect to see some of the markers off. And then 350 pounds he he's four or five inches shorter than me and outweighs me by right at this minute 32 pounds uh, and having perfect results lean yeah but perfect no no i think it's it does sound it does it, it smells a little bit <laughs> it's not i'm trying to think of that phrase that the rock uses but it <laughs> What can you smell what i'm cooking here steve yeah there you yeah. go
0: yeah. And I was looking at, uh, I was looking at, uh, up this research and uh, in Kuwait, I think a lot of us already know this and, and you know, this mobster in Kuwait, steroids are completely legal. Like you can, yes. and they're so legal over there. And, and there's such a environment for steroid use that the gym that he, you know, we oh, talked yeah. about earlier, oxygen gym, earlier, yes. they're yeah. out in the parking lot. There's guys out in the parking lot selling steroids to people. It's just like, Uh it's not, it's just like in America going to the gym and walking in there and you've got a, a a smoothie, you can order a smoothie right there. That's how it is over there. Steroids are, it's not a big secret that these guys are using tons of steroids. So if you ever want to take a vacation to Kuwait,
1: go to to one of these
0: gyms, you can, you can just go buy steroids, just like buying a smoothie in an American gym.
1: I, I seem to recall that there was a, I think it was a British bodybuilder or a sha name saying that they had a pharmacy, literally if, if not in the building, just up the road from the building, you came out, of, you, you, you had the gym when he was working with oxygen. you had the apartments where the guys stayed and then just a few doors away was a pharmacy that they all used. Something else that we haven't addressed in the PEDs this Steve, which we have addressed when we've talked about the Middle East and the myths and the legends that have come out of the Kuwaiti gyms, including oxygen, is the peptides. We said before, but we, well, there was this idea that they had some sort of secret you know, myostatin inhibitor stuff over there. I don't think that they do. But what they do have access to, as Steve says quite right is pharmaceutical steroids. And we believe, if the rumours are correct, good quality early, pretty much before anybody else had access to them, high quality use, usable peptides. So there was this idea. I mean, the other thing which, we, which we've addressed with oxygen in previous podcasts is that the guys that were training there, and he's been adopted by Vader when he was with Oxygen, you are fed, you are watered, you are like a show pony. They, you know, there's probably some guy that's coming to your apartment to massage you. The guys were talking about if they train, they almost trained as a team, if different levels of the gym, and they spend the rest of the day either doing what we're doing now on Zoom, or, or, or you know, talking to their families, or chilling out, or playing video games. And, and, and food would be delivered. There'd be somebody knocking on your door, dropping the food off. But with the pharmaceuticals on board as well, there's almost no excuse not to be an amazing bodybuilder. And the team, and again, they weren't taking genetically average people here, but the peptides, Steve, the Psalms, the access to this stuff. And I believe we're talking about probably about six to eight months before it became popular across the world. And we started to see if people like our sponsors providing these kind of things. They had that stuff early at Oxygen, probably two to three years ago, and certainly six months to a year. I think they would, they, they had access via perhaps a very friendly doctor at their pharmacy, pharmacist for sure, that was sorting these guys out. So, yeah, we're doing everything they needed to do, eating, resting, training, being coached, being massaged, literally treated like a thoroughbred racehorse, put out the stud, and then you've got the peptides to go with it, and pharmaceutical-grade over the counter of prescription steroids. Uh, Again, zero excuses here not to grow, not to be a monster. And yet, of course, we will see Ramy not quite succeeding nearly the the, the New York Pro, that was the one that he sort of came on gangbusters. Then he'd be away, then he wasn't quite on point and his numbers were going up and down. Steve threw the numbers that you earlier on, sixth place, seventh place, third place, second place. But when he gets it together, bang. And I think Steve said right at the beginning, We've agreed with this in, in, in the Mr. Olympia podcast. Here's a guy that pretty much everybody, and it's not just Steve me, and I, it's a bunch of other experts. In, when they were breaking down the results of the Mr. Olympia, everybody, including his competition, his rivals, the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth place, everybody says, if he can keep that kind of condition like he's got right now, five more Mr. Olympia, Steve, at least. And that's the thing. I think it's been an incredibly popular decision, very little negativity. Uh o- o- almost none whatsoever. Uh, the-, the guys that he beat have congratulated him.
0: Like tell, everybody us a- says- tell us about his uh what happened when he went back to Egypt.
1: Uh to- oh, yeah, I as you just reminded me, and I was just thinking, literally, as you <laughs> as you said, I was right. Okay, so here's the thing: let's finish on this. Steve and I touched on this in a previous podcast, and we said that when Big Ramy goes back to the Middle East, it's gonna be crazy. And guess what, Steve? It's been crazy, and it's only been a week. He arrives at the airport in America to go back to Egypt, and there was a congratulations, Big Ramy balloon on the desk. There's no one at the desk, it's just him. The guys are going crazy at the airport. He goes down the ramp to the plane, Steve, and there's balloons. Congratulations, Big Ramy. Everybody's there, they're taking photographs. The flight crew are taking pictures of him. He gets onto the plane. When he's on the plane, in Egyptian, and in English, they announced that we have Big Ramy, the Mr. Olympia 2020 reader. And that was just the beginning, Steve. It was, but the scenes at the airport, when they've got what looks like Egyptian uh, military and security walking in through the airport, indoors was mental. And then he goes outdoors. People were just trying to touch him, Steve, like he's a good luck charm. There was a double-decker tour bus, shrink-wrapped, with a big Ramy face and Mr. Olympia. There are trucks with signs on the back, with big, and this is just driving through Cairo. He goes to, he's part of something called the KO Squad. They put on a press conference. There, I believe he was interviewed around that time by 40 Middle Eastern channels. That's, I, I don't know. And, and here's the thing, Steve and I touched on this before. right? And in fact, again, it's been addressed by Chad and others. No, Mr. Olympia, and I've got a a reasonably good working knowledge from the very first Larry Scott till now, and I don't care how popular any of those athletes have been, Lee Haney, Ronnie Coleman, they've never had a reception like this. Never. And it's been one week, Steve. That's something that Steve and I said in the the pre-show. You're going to need to be crazy careful that he actually finds time to get in the gym and work out. Because I think the next two to three weeks in Egypt, if he gets the current chance to go back to Kuwait, it's going to be so crazy at the airport. It's going to be so crazy with people wanting to talk to him. If the the reception's been just about as good as it's possible to be, Steve, the opportunities, like you and I said in another show, are going to be off the scale. And if he doesn't double or triple his prize money in the next couple of weeks, I'll be surprised. Every every single thing I've seen him doing in the last week that had the, because the, 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 he, he, of course he won the uh, People's Award, so he's had the belt, the People's Award belt, the Sandow trophy, the medals, and they've been on display every single time. he have got them on the Egyptian flag. He's got a picture of him staying at a hotel with the pyramids in the background. I believe he had a letter from the Egyptian president. I'd be very surprised if he's not meeting politicians right now. It's going to be in a scale that no Mr. Olympia has had ever, right from the beginning back in the 60s. Uh, and that's just, I mean, uh, it, honestly, thousands of people, Steve, Steve's seen the videos that I've seen, hundreds in the airport, thousands outside, crowds, people waving them, cars to, in absolutely crazy. You, you'd have to win the Mr. Olympia and go back to a small town in the middle of nowhere, America Midwest or something like that, and have half the town turn out. This was like I, I I I think especially once the TV broadcast and the interviews have gone out, it's going to be thousands of people, absolutely thousands. It,
0: it's it's of kind people. of weird. It's kind of weird because you ask uh, an American, a typical American, you know, um, who is you know who was an American that won Mister Olympia, they won't they won't know like who was the last American to win the Mister Olympia. It was just a year ago, but they wouldn't know that. But if you ask them, you know, who who won the Super Bowl, they would you know if they're a sports fan, they would know that right off the bat. So I think it's interesting. And and over there, everybody knows about big Rami, everybody in Egypt, where he was born in Kuwait, where he moved to. Um, And when he gets, you know, any middle Eastern country, he could go to North African, middle Eastern, South Asian, any of those countries, they'll know who big Rami is, especially if you're a young or middle-aged male, you're going to, Look at him and a lot of females as well. And, you know, he's going to be a big celebrity. I think it's going to cause the um, bodybuilding in those countries to grow uh, tremendously. Um, and it's going to have a huge, huge effect. So, a lot of supplement companies need to be aware of this and they need to be able to market in those countries. All right, buddy. you right, there. All right. So, for, uh, that's it, guys. This was uh, Big Rami. Episode for Steve Smee and the Mobster. We will talk to you guys next week with another one. Take care, guys.